traffic at 101 South and 198. Again, someone was walking against traffic on the edge of the fast lane at 101 South and 198. Southbound lane, that's King City area. There's nine units assigned to the scene en route. Some, uh, anyways, 751 popped in as well. 17 South and Summit Road traffic collision. We have a vehicle. It's in the middle of the road. That's at 17 South and Summit Road. Southbound lane, Santa Cruz, California. It is wet out there, so... Of course, hope you all keep uh, keep in mind it's going to be slick. Seven-day forecast is currently 50 degrees at the KSO station. We're looking at rain for the next five to six days. Saturday, some sun throughout the morning. Highs throughout the days in the 60s, lows in the 40s. For you voters, no advisory in effect this evening and nothing for me to issue for tomorrow. And with that said, it's time for Aaron Cloudon and the Healing Journeys. I hope you enjoy the show. Opinions expressed in the following sponsored program are not necessarily those of KSCO Radio, its staff, management, or advertisers. If something is said with which you disagree, please call us during the program in order to help us balance comments. Hello, my name is Aaron Cloudon, and you are listening to Healing Journeys here on KSCO. Tonight, I have Katie Bork from the Fireside Project, and the Fireside Project is a peer-to-peer support line for people having a psychedelic experience. You can find them at firesideproject.org, as well as you can call 62 Fireside for their peer support line. Katie, hello. Are you there? I am here. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Fantastic. This is working out great. Um, Katie, so tell us about yourself and what inspired you to get uh, involved with the Fireside Project. Yeah, so I'm Katie, and I use she, her pronouns. I am joining you tonight from Burlington, Vermont. So it's a little bit late over here in my time. Thank um, you. And I... Yeah, I joined uh, Fireside Project in March as a Fireside Project ambassador and then uh, took the role of operations and outreach director in June. Um, So I've been doing peer support in some fashion for the last decade um, in mental health services, largely based in Vermont. Um, And I had actually managed a support line before in Vermont. And then, you know, I've been trying to find a kind of a gap, a bridge between kind of the gap of the mental health world and then, and you know, peer support and psychedelics. And when I heard about Fireside Project, I was just like, this is a, this is a program I have to be a part of. So I uh, was grateful for the opportunity to get to connect with Josh and Hanifa. And yeah, I'm, I'm here today. <laughs> Do you know what inspired them to create the Fireside Project? Yeah, so I don't want to like 
speaks for them. But sure. I think, you know, the, the mission of Fireside Project is to help minimize, uh, people minimize the risks and fulfill the potential of their psychedelic experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and we provide peer support and education to the public. Um, and we also want to be involved in research. So a big part of the mission is to make sure that psychedelic peer support is accessible to everyone um, so that nobody has to navigate psychedelic experiences alone. Um, so we offer support by phone and text uh, when somebody is tripping um, or after to process integration. So I was thinking about this, and one of the things that came up for me, because I've had a few psychedelic experiences, you might say. Um, and I was thinking about my ability to use a phone <laughs> when tripping. Uh, yeah. And I was like, would I, how well would I do with just getting through this one, the, the first most obvious obstacle if I was tripping really hard? Uh, does that ever come up? Is that an issue at all? Yeah, definitely. So we uh, encourage folks to add our number to their phones um, in advance. And then we also were really excited to recently launch an app. So you can actually go to the App Store in iOS and Android and download uh, the Fireside Project app. So the app loads and uh, just takes you to a pretty simplistic screen where you can hit a button to call or a button to text. Uh, So it kind of alleviates that you know that experience of having to try to hit multiple buttons um it's a really streamlined application well that's awesome because uh yeah that that was one of the things because i kept thinking about because a friend of mine was asking me today and she was like um because she had never had a psychedelic experience, and most people know that I've that know me uh are aware that i'm i'm a huge fan of psychedelics and so uh, she was talking about, uh, she actually asked this question. I mean, she, she's like, well, what happens if somebody can't really function enough? And I'm like, that's a very good question because I know I go through this weird thing with money. Like, I can't, I don't function well with money when I'm tripping. <laughs> like, I, mm-hmm. it, And I have other things where, like, my fingers don't work very well or the body doesn't work, especially in, in relaying messages to my brain and stuff. So... Yeah, it's mm-hmm. cool that you got the app. I would imagine that would be dramatically easier. So once somebody gets this thing up and running and they're on a trip, what what's going to happen then? What what are they going to experience once this once the phone rings and 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 uh, the psychedelic peer support line answers? Yeah, so we just actually, I'm excited to announce that we expanded to seven days uh, this week. Awesome. So we're now open, yeah, so we're now open just to say for 12 hours a day from 3 p.m. Pacific time to 3 a.m. Pacific time. So if you you call, like, uh, we're only open during those hours. So if you call during that time, uh, you would get connected to what we call uh, our connector, so it's somebody that takes the call, um, kind of checks in with you, gets to hear what's going on for you. Like, are you tripping right now? Do you want to talk about a past trip? Um, and then connects you over to one of our amazing volunteers to talk with you about your experience. Um, if you text, uh, it's similar. You know, you'll get connected to somebody and then transferred to a volunteer to take your call. That's awesome. So, yeah. so, so some some good tripping in 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 Colorado or wherever and can give a call and 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 get kind of 
talk down or talk through or even just have somebody so they're not feeling alone is what's going down. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a misperception that we're a bad trip hotline. And, you know, that's not accurate. Like, we are definitely here for you if you're having a bad trip. And we're also here for you if you're having a fantastic trip or, you know, if you tripped, you know, five days ago or 20 years ago and you want to talk about that experience with somebody that really gets it. Um, you know, that identifies as a peer, that identifies with experience with psychedelics and can process with that with you in a peer support framework. You know, that it seems like it would be really, uh, really fun to listen to people who are tripping talk to me. Can you, can you, can, <laughs> yeah. I, can I call and talk to people who are tripping or does it not work that can I like, how does it work? It's not, that's not how it works. I can't like call up and be like, hey, I'll, I'll just hang out in case somebody's tripping and wants to call. <laughs> well, we are, we do look for volunteers. So we just went through um, a pretty extensive onboarding process. We've had over 450 applications for support line volunteers since January. Uh, the line launched in April. So just to kind of give you some context for uh, just the abundance of support and excitement around uh, around the line. Um, so we are looking, you know, for volunteers in phases, but we just we just kind of closed out that round with our seven day expansion. Um, so, yeah, we only have, you know, you have to be an actual volunteer to, to answer calls to listen to somebody that is going through that experience. So, OK, now I'm super curious. Are the volunteers, like, hanging out in a call center? I'm thinking of, like, a call center where everybody's hanging out in front of screens with uh, their little headphones on and stuff. Is that how it's going down? Uh, no, <laughs> that's a good question, though. So we're actually completely remote. Um, okay. So everybody joins from wherever they are in the world. <laughs> and even though we're only based in the United States, we actually have volunteers based internationally. Um, so we have some folks from the UK, um, from Europe. Uh, we have folks in Australia. Um, so, yeah, we have folks from all over that actually take the calls, but we currently only accept calls from the United States. And uh, we're hopeful, you know, if we get some uh, means and resources and money and support to expand, you know, to other countries. Do you ever get people... I ha I asked this question. I had Dance Safe on a couple months ago. I don't know if you know who they are, but they they like test I drugs. I do. Yeah. So I had yeah, them on. Yeah, they're uh, great. They're awesome. And one of the questions I had for them was, do you ever have people um, looking for support before they? take their drugs whether that be a peer pressure situation or or something and be like hey i'm afraid i'm not really feeling this but my friends are all planning on doing it do you do you get those types of calls at all yeah so unfortunately uh for liability reasons we're not able to take uh calls and offer any type of advice prior to somebody um, taking a psychedelic. Uh, we can only support folks during their experience of taking psychedelics and after, uh, but we do offer resources on our website uh, for folks that are looking to kind of get more information uh, to kind of prepare for a trip. Uh, we often refer to, you may have heard of MAPS before, the yes. Multidisciplinary okay, Association mm -hmm. of Psychedelic Studies. We have their integration list we refer folks to. Uh, Air Arrowhead and Blue Light or other uh, websites we sometimes refer folks to. So, um, you know, eventually we would be we would love to offer more um, workshops. But as of right now, the the 
psychedelic peer support line doesn't offer that service. So your peer support line, all these people have tripped at some point, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, for the most, for the most part. Yeah. I mean, everybody that, um, yeah, everybody that volunteers with us has experience with psychedelics in some capacity. Are I, I, I'm so fascinated by this because I'm such a solo traveler. Like I, 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 I've tripped a lot and, um, I usually go alone and I'm, I was trying to think when I was researching this about any sort of like negative trips or if I would have ever reached out, like if there would have been times where I was lonely and, and I, I was reminded of a time when I was tripping really hard on LSD and I was, I was younger and I had that moment where I was like, oh, I really did it this time. I'm never coming down. You know, like that that moment yeah. where I'm like, oh, this is it. This is the big one. I've tripped so hard that I'm going to be tripping for the rest of my life. Do you ever get calls <laughs> yeah. like that? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that's one of the kind of most uh, common calls is somebody looking for you know, support and assurance that, uh, that this is only kind of like a temporary experience. Um, so, and, you know, we also, um, just to say support, I should have said this earlier, we actually support, uh, folks that are trip sitting too. So somebody that might be supporting, you know, somebody through, um, a psychedelic journey. And, you know, sometimes that maybe that person is the person that's tripping is having that experience and the trip sitter wants to call, to be like, hey, this person is af- is afraid. They're not sure they're ever going to kind of come out of this experience. Like, well, how do I navigate this? So, you know, we do take calls from people that are having that experience and also people that might be kind of sitting with and bearing uh, witness to somebody else having that experience. So the whole trip sitting thing is kind of new to me. <clears throat> uh, mm-hmm. I've been hearing about it more over the past, like, six months to a year. Could you kind of explain yeah. the whole trip sitting and what it is and who does that and how that goes down yeah so I, I think that's kind of a, a multifaceted answer depending on like the context by which um folks are kind of experiencing psychedelics so i think just the general concept of trip sitting is having somebody uh sit with and be with somebody through their psychedelic journey um and it might not be sitting right it might be actually like just being present with somebody and wherever they kind of go in the world as they're tripping um and sometimes people actually seek out that in a ceremonial way so they might actually seek out um somebody to support them as a trip sitter you know as a shaman or through like a a ceremonial kind of process that also might just look like hey i'm going to a club this weekend i am planning to trip and you know, I want to make sure that somebody is, is not tripping so that they can kind of keep an eye on me um, and make sure that I'm doing okay. So the trip sitter is just kind of the, the kind of like responsible person being with the person that's tripping um, and holding a space for them in that journey. So <clears throat> have you guys seen a rise in psychedelic usage since the pandemic has started, uh, I know I've been hearing more about it, but I don't know. It's just because I have more time on my hands to research it, and it's something I'm already interested in. But have you guys noticed any sort of increase in psychedelic usage since this yeah. time of kind of loneliness, so to speak? Yeah, I think that's a great question, and it makes a lot of sense 
to think that people might uh, be, I, I've definitely heard stories that people have told me of like actually trying psychedel psychedelics for the first time during COVID. Um, you know, so I've, I've heard of that, but we opened the line in April of uh, 2021. So we were already kind of in the midst of the, okay. <laughs> the pandemic here. So I don't actually have any data that would indicate an increase in calls that was COVID related. Uh, I've definitely heard like anecdotal stories of folks saying, you know, I was feeling really isolated and alone and I heard psychedelics might uh, make me feel kind of more connected with the world and, and have had uh, psychedelic journeys. And, you know, I think COVID has really led to a lot of folks feeling isolated and feeling a lack of community. So I'm grateful Fireside Project exists so that folks, you know, have a place to go if they are um, tripping so that they have community and connection and, and support. Um, I think isolation has been a general, a general theme in the world, in the world for the last, you know, year and a half. Right. So do you, do you get people calling that are, uh, already at, in like a festival environment or or something like that or or people primary calling when they're alone I, i'm kind of i'm wondering if people out in a festival environment would be able to use this yeah they definitely can and i if you go to festivals if you run festivals if you do uh, medical tents at festivals i would love to talk to you just to put that out there because i think that's that's a huge part of what my job is, is to try to outreach to festivals, outreach to folks that are, so we actually have, um, well, actually, I'll, maybe I'll talk about that a little bit later. But yes, definitely, folks that are at festivals can call us and get support. Uh, we actually have partnered with a few of the medical um, sanctuaries at festivals to have our stickers, to have our information, uh, so that folks know that we're a resource. So can you tell me a little bit more about the, the peer support line training, like what that entail, what that kind of looks like? Yeah, uh, for sure. So our first training, volunteers go through about 35 hours of training. Uh, it, and it kind of ch it changed more recently, so I'll speak to the last round of training that I was part of. So we just recently onboarded an additional 35 volunteers we have around like 70 something folks like working and volunteering with the line right now uh so the last like 35 folks went through a two-day training uh and then also have a lot of like videos to watch so the two-day training focuses on you know understanding the scope of the line um you know we provide peer support uh, people drop their kind of credentials at the door um, and show up like as a human to offer, uh, you know, human to human kind of peer support and connection. Um, you know, we don't take calls, for example, like I mentioned earlier, from somebody that's looking for advice pre-tripping. So kind of covering all of the basics of kind of the scope of our line and our service. And then uh, we do a lot of um, role plays and demos around different calls and we do a lot of training around active listening and reflective listening. Uh, so that's like our, our two day training. Um, and then there's a lot of like supplemental videos of, you know, supporting somebody that was looking for an integration call or supporting somebody that's actively tripping. And, uh, you know, those two t kinds of calls look very different. Um, somebody that's actively in the experience is going to probably be looking for a different kind of support than somebody that has already gone through that experience and is looking to process it at a later date. 
So, so you've you've done the training then, right? I have, yeah. Okay, so I I guess my curiosity becomes because in regards to uh, I know you said you're more than just the the bad trip hotline, but somebody mm-hmm. who who's struggling with their trip, the ability to kind of bring them around just with your voice or just with text that that seems that seems extremely challenging yeah i yes there's there's obvious limitations to not being in person with somebody right uh i think you know eventually we would aspire to hopefully be offered to like available to offer psychedelic peer support at festivals you know in person uh being with somebody through that experience but uh yeah i mean i haven't heard of an experience where that was really like negative, you know, like right. everybody I think for the most part has really identified feeling supported and feeling heard. And I think for those folks that are calling in and they're tripping and maybe they're having a challenging time, the thing you need is to feel like somebody is there for you to feel connected, um, you know, re- reassurance that it's eventually going to end. Like you had mentioned kind of earlier, that is a kind of call that we would get. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and what are the techniques that um, the, the uh, peer support line would use? I mean, what sort of wording? And I'm just curious of their technique that they are learning. What is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I mentioned the active and reflective listening. I think okay. like an example, just demo that I that I did when I was in this recent training, um, you know, we kind of demo with each other. Um, so in the demonstration, I had somebody call in that was, uh, it, you know, it was obviously a demo, so it wasn't actually really happening, but the person kind of called in, they were like, I'm in a club, I'm locked myself in a bathroom, I don't know where my friends are. Um, so, you know, I, I, I was actually pretending to take that call. Um, so I just said, you know, um, you know, let's talk about kind of just even where they are in the world. Right. So like, can you feel your feet on the floor? Like, Um, just trying to do a little bit of centering, a little bit of breathing. Sometimes we do meditation with folks on the phone or breathing exercises. So sometimes just trying to make sure somebody feels grounded enough to even have the conversation. Uh, And then, you know, in that situation, the person was not sure where their friends were. So we came up with a plan for how are you going to find your friend? Um, You know, can you text your friend? Like, what is this going to look like? Uh, I don't know if this is the kind of example you're looking for, but... I think it's really circumstantial, right? So you want to kind of figure out the mindset somebody is in when they're having the trip. Um, you probably heard of like set and setting. Yes. So kind of the, the mindset that they're in and also the setting that they're in. So the setting might dramatically shift what supporting somebody looks like. Supporting somebody in a festival or a club or somewhere that's really loud is going to look different than somebody that maybe calls us from the woods um, that you know may or may not be with friends. So I think kind of asking questions to assess for set and setting is also really useful as a as a starting place. Right, so that they can feel. Uh, I know that's a big a big way to calm people down is to be like, "Hey, I'm I'm here. You you can see, yeah. yeah, you can touch me. I'm real. You know, that's or here's a nice warm blankie. <laughs> Everything's gonna be okay. <laughs> you know. So yeah. that's, I guess that's where my my curiosity came. You know, because human to human, there's that uh, having tripped with uh, quite a few people that just the 
even just the ability to see a, a loving, kind face will kind of bring you around if your head's gotten caught up in some sort of crazy, you know, not crazy, crazy's not the right word, but some sort of trip, so to speak, about, you know, your parents or whatever it may be. You know, so that's why mm -hmm. I was curious about the wording being used, which, which mm -hmm. kind of brings me to, uh, I was reading on your website about your guiding principles. Could you talk a little bit about those, the compassion and non-judgment and transparency and all that? Yeah, sure. So I think uh, just one thing that kind of came to mind, even when you were just talking about like the blanket, you know, mm -hmm. I think explore like it coming from a place of exploring with curiosity. I um, really like to talk about peer support as being with versus doing too. So finding okay. a way to be with somebody and offer that compassion in a way that really reaches them. So if somebody mentions being cold, I'm probably going to say like, hey, do you do you have a blanket? Is there a way to get warm? So maybe I can't put that blanket right on that person and offer that direct support. But, you know, the folks that are staffing the line have um, some type of lived experience with psychedelics. So they're all very versed in kind of... Um, you know, either supporting and they, you know, I know you asked earlier, like we don't actually explicitly like ask um, folks to necessarily share all of their experiences, but a lot of the folks at least have experience like supporting other people with tripping um, or tripping themselves. So are, are versed in kind of knowing what a person may or may not need in a certain moment. So I think that's the power of peer support. Um, the power of being able to be with somebody in a moment and reflect on your own lived experience. Um, you know, I think, you know, just thinking of my own experiences with psychedelics, I can reflect on times that I felt supported or times I didn't feel supported and what that experience felt like and looked like to me. And I think that we can kind of all just search within ourselves to say, what could this person use? What could I have used? Um, offering a sense of mutuality in the conversation, um, asking permission to share our own experiences if they feel relevant. Um, so I think that kind of speaks to the compassion part. Um, I think another part of one of our, one of our principles is accessibility. So, you know, as psychedelics become medicalized and they're moving more into the mainstream, um, making sure that this is a free accessible service to everyone. Uh, not everybody can afford therapy. <laughs> not everybody can afford to pay for an integration coach to process a later experience. So that's a huge part of what we do is just making sure that this line is free and accessible to everyone. Uh, I'm just like looking more at um, some of these uh, <laughs> guiding principles right now. So that, yeah, the non-judgment, um, you know, not judging people um, coming from a place of of yeah just literally coming from a place of not judging um going into it with an open mind and trying to just be present and be with somebody uh transparency i you know we come with our own experiences and um yeah i think we try to just say it like it is you know i think we're not um yeah i think everybody that we aspire to have on our line uh is just really naturally kind of a transparent person and really reflective um, and then the North Star Pledge uh, speaks a little bit to uh, our equity initiative. So we are working to we are working on an equity initiative right now, where like eventually, um, hopefully, folks might be able to get like scholarships, for example, from being part of our volunteer process. Which I don't think I'm like in a position to fully speak on yet, but um, okay. we have a lot of like equity initiatives 
that we're working towards too for volunteers on our line. Oh, that's super cool. <laughs> yeah, so, I like I'm it. sorry. I feel like I just kind of rambled a little at you. Ramble away. <laughs> feel okay. free to ramble. I was a little a little anxious. I've never been on a radio before, and I've, I um, I mean, it's actually the only time I've actually ever been live has been, I guess, other than Clubhouse, has usually been on a video platform and not just an audio platform. Well, you're crushing it, and the listeners are enthralled. It's awesome. You're doing great, Katie. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, just a little like just showing up, but I'll, yeah. This is yeah, me being thanks. your peer support for kind of tripping uh, out on being on radio. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, I've never been on the radio ever, so thanks. You're welcome. See, so now you can't say that anymore because now you've been on the radio for almost a whole half hour, and you didn't even realize this. So you can't. Yeah. You can't say that. Uh, you've been on the radio for a half hour now. You're doing great, and you're awesome. And you're and you're getting you're getting the Firesides Project uh, uh, ethos out there, and and we're loving yes. it. It's super cool. So I do want to talk about people just you know on a trip, giving a call. So now I'm, <laughs> I gotta admit I'm half tempted to kind of trip and call now. <laughs> I'm like that would be kind of neat. So what is that like? Can you give any examples of what, what it's like, like somebody tripping on shrooms or tripping on LSD or Molly or whatever and calling in? Like what that, what the range of what that could look like? Yeah. Like you got any examples of that? I'm, I'm like super curious. Like what would motivate somebody to be like, I'm tripping and it's not a bad trip, but I kind of like, would like somebody to talk mm. to is that what goes down i'm cur- i'm super curious because i'm i'm a i'm a super heady guy that can totally overthink things and like i said i'm yeah. a solo traveler mostly um so i'm curious what it's yeah. like when somebody calls in what what their motivation is and what an example of that would be like yeah, so I can come up with maybe with just with like a few examples. So I think one is just not wanting to be alone in that experience. So, you know, maybe it is a great experience and you, you want to share that with somebody. You want to tell them how great your experience is or like you're having a great experience and maybe you just don't want to be alone in that experience. You just want to share it with somebody. Um, another one that comes to mind for me is microdosing. So somebody like, you know, that isn't having this kind of full-blown uh, psychedelic experience, if you will, is microdosing. Uh, that maybe wants to talk about the process of microdosing and what that looks like for them or why they started microdosing. Um, you know, there's so many reasons people might microdose. So that could just be another example for you of, uh, you know, the. I just want to clarify, like, not everybody is in um, this, like, full-blown psychedelic experience necessarily okay. that's calling. Uh, I mean, people are, but you could also call in if, um, yeah, if you're just, you've taken it, you've been microdosing and, and just want to talk to somebody about that experience and are currently on a microdose. Right on. So, so the, are, are your people like helping folks to, to understand the experience, I guess, because a lot of, I, I, I think what I'm hearing and I've had this is when integrating a psychedelic experience, sometimes I can't properly articulate articulate it or make Mm -hmm. sense of it, but I know it was really good or I know there was an insight there, but I can't uh, always make sense of it. Hence the reason I'm having a hard time talking about it right now. Does that make sense? That doesn't make sense, do I? Am I making sense? (laughs) 
I think I think I think I'm understanding. I think uh, with uh, yeah, with integration, it would be trying to support somebody in processing their experience. Um, I think for just to speak about like just myself for a second, I didn't actually. I think my first psychedelic experience was, gosh, at least like 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think at that time I was introduced to psychedelics in a college setting. It was at a party. I had never heard of set and setting. I had never heard of setting intentions. Uh, so for, you know, for me personally, integrating has looked different over time. So integrating, looking back on those experiences, there's a lot of kind of self-reflection into like, well, why did I even do that in the first place? Like I didn't even have an intention going into that. I just took the substance. Why did I take it? Um, you know, versus like more intentional consuming of substances. I think that in, at least for me, the integration kind of concept feels and looks different. Um, so it, you know, integration can kind of be a wide range of things. And I do think as psychedelics are kind of just blowing up as this movement more people are, uh, you know, conceptualizing this concept of intention. Uh, why, why would I take this substance? Would there be a purpose behind taking this substance? And, you know, that's not new for, like, a lot of cultures. I just want to talk, you know, mention that. Uh, there's a lot of cultures that have, um, you know, been using psychedelics for thousands of years. But uh, I, I'm just talking more about, like, the Western kind of mainstream. Like, historically, a lot of psychedelic use has been in, you know, the club scene or the college scene. And um, I, I just have an appreciation uh, for just acknowledging that integration has kind of, I mean, at least for me, has really ranged um, between like non-intention setting and reflecting on that and actual intention setting. Yeah, I I love that. I mean, the first time I used psychedelics was 35 years ago and I was a teenager. I was only like 14. And mm-hmm. um, it was in a much more... Uh, party like setting it it was with a it was at a concert or something and I had no clue what was going on but I knew it was something significant I mean I'd used other drugs as a teenager but this was dramatically different psychedelics were dramatically dramatically different and there was something there but everybody else wanted to maintain this party like atmosphere and for me it was like one of the first times I felt like this universal love type feeling and stuff. And so it was, it, it's interesting to see psychedelics kind of move away from the part, or at least from my perspective, I could be way off on this, from this party type thing as a, and now becoming a tool for understanding who we are and what we're doing here and that type of thing. So I'm, I'm assuming your your hotline and projects like yours are helping to make that more of a reality. Is that mm-hmm. a lot of what's happening, do you think, from what you see in the psychedelic world? Yeah, I think uh, definitely. I mean, I think that, you know, I could just reflect here for a second on kind of the medicalization of psychedelics. So, mm-hmm. you know, my my experience pre-Fireside Project is really rooted in peer support uh, in kind of the mainstream medical model of care. So as we see psychedelics growing uh, in the medical model, which which just to say, I guess I'll just share, like my personal opinion is that psychedelics, well, and all substances should be um, 
like legalized and yes. uh, I also yeah <laughs> I, also I couldn't agree more <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah but no it's great and um, I also believe that they should be medicalized because I believe in accessibility because I believe in equal access to substances for everyone in terms of just kind of under this umbrella of kind of cognitive liberty mm-hmm. so um, you know I think as um, you know, as psychedelics are becoming medicalized and you're being required to kind of have a diagnosis to access them in certain spaces, I think peer support is extra critical because, you know, we want to be able to show up for everyone as peers and offer this accessible service regardless of how you're accessing the substance. So if you want to access it in the club setting, you can still call us. If you want to access it at a ketamine clinic, you can still call us, Um, you know, regardless of how you're consuming what you're consuming as long as it's a psychedelic and where you're consuming it or how you've had access to it. Like we're still here to provide you that support. Um, and we're really the only service that's offering that in such a broad accessible level. So, um, I might've gone off a little bit on a tangent there, but I just felt like that was like an important kind of thing to to highlight because I think a lot of, a lot of the medicalization piece, um, is limiting in some ways in terms of access. It's, it's pretty expensive for a lot of folks to get that service. It's not accessible in every state. Um, you know, it's only psychedelics are only decriminalized in certain cities and states. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're really hoping to offer a service that's, you know, nationwide. Everybody can access it regardless of, of other means. It's interesting because every time I hear of like the, the, the medical aspect of psychedelics, it seems so clinical and cold to me. Uh, I, I when I think of medical, I think of something out of like uh, uh, like some sort of bad trip on, via Pink Floyd, The Wall, or something. It's it's just mm-hmm. like I, I I don't know. To me, it it, it sounds like the opposite of way I want to, especially having done psychedelics so many times and having done ceremonies. Mm-hmm. Like uh, having done ayahuasca ceremonies and how loving and kind and beautiful that experience was. And there was no medical professionals within hundreds of miles, mm-hmm. if not thousands of miles, when I did that. And and, I'm, and to me, that's, that's like you were talking about the accessibility and the accessibility is so important, especially when you consider mushrooms grow out of the ground, (laughs) you know, they're a naturally occurring substance. Ayahuasca is a vine that grows like to make these things illegal is to me is the crime. Um, Uh So I love organizations like yours that help people through these things. And I'd love to talk more about the integration part because integration is an interesting aspect. And um, sometimes with integration, like I feel like the experiences I have, I can't articulate to people. And I tried to articulate a recent experience because I just tried 5-MeO-DMT for the first time about two months ago. And, uh, but the story kind of goes, I have to go previous to that. I had done ayahuasca in Peru about six years ago. And in that experience, I had that, that, that moment where you go off to that other realm and people call them the machine elves or whatever, when it's all the, that, um, geometric patterns and, and, 
And those entities approached me telling me everything was okay and that I was always going to be taken care of and everything would be all right. And they kind of allowed this light to come through into my heart telling me I am universal love and I am one with all beings all those things you read about like in the in the in the in the spiritual books I I got to experience with them so now fast forward to my 5-MeO DMT experience when I smoked that 5-MeO DMT they like stepped aside and let me go all the way to the source to the oneness, the universal consciousness, the God consciousness, whatever you want to call it. And I experienced it firsthand. And there I was face to face with it, so to speak. And that's not the right wording, but that's the best way I can articulate it. And it was all colors and no colors. And it was vibrating so super fast. And I was like, where am I? And it's like, you're dead and I started laughing and I'm like I'm dead and it started laughing it was like you're dead and we both just laughed that I was dead and um it was uh but it was beautiful it was there was no fear there was zero fear and it was one of the most it probably is the most poignant experience of this particular life that I've had and I am when I finally came back and I don't know how long I was gone it could have been 20 seconds it could have been 20 minutes I don't know I was just sitting there laughing and it's telling me and I'm telling it and it was all of us it was all of us it was all of our souls that's what it was and I was part of it and it was part of me and I went to connect with it and then I came back into my body And when I sat up, I looked around at the other people around, and I'm like, they're all me, and I'm them. And, uh, but the interesting thing was, is I kind of went in and out of that death uh, experience for the next three to five days. And it probably would have been very nice to give you guys a call, because I had nobody to talk to about it. (laughs) And I had to kind of figure it out on my own. So... Do you get calls like that? Yes, definitely. Um, I think, uh, especially with a 5-MeO-DMT, that kind of uh, almost like, I mean, I just, just before I answer that, just to say thank you for sharing your experience. And uh, it sounds like such a kind of just beautiful, beautiful moment. Then the way you worded it was just really, um, yeah, I just appreciate hearing you share your story so openly. Um, but yes, I think especially with... Uh, 5-MeO-DMT that uh, folks might feel kind of, uh, you know, from, I can't, like, I'm not, like, trying to, just from my experience of some conversations, they might kind of feel a little depersonalized or a little out of sorts for a few days after. Um, So having somebody to call and somebody to talk to and, um, you know, you can actually request to talk to somebody that has had um, certain psychedelic experiences. Uh, They may or may not be available to talk to you. Uh, but we did recently have a caller um, that had, had taken a 5-MeO-DMT and uh, wanted to talk to somebody with that experience. And that was actually um, a request that we were able to um, to make. So, like, we were able to connect somebody to somebody that had had an experience with that psychedelic, and they were able to kind of process and talk um, through that. So, 
you know, I think I, this is kind of more my personal opinion of kind of seeing peer support and also, um, you know, I'm, I'm somewhat newer to the line here still, but I think with trip fitting, the way you want to show up is just to be present with somebody, be with somebody in the experience. And the substance in some ways doesn't really matter in the moment because you just want to be with somebody, right? Like they're in it. Um, you're just being with, you're showing up, you're providing some support. Um, the likelihood that somebody is going to be able to eloquently kind of convey what you just conveyed may range, right? Like somebody can maybe reflect on that when they're going through it, but probably not. Um, that's more of the integration part. So I think with integration, it does make sense to actually connect with certain people um, that have maybe had certain substances to talk about that experience. You know, with our equity program, we're hoping to be able to connect people um, with like a marginalized kind of community approach. So if you call in and you identify as trans, you know, eventually being able to actually schedule an integration call so that you can talk to somebody that is identifies as trans and have um, that kind of conversation. Um, so I think the integration piece, you know, is different. And um, yeah, am, am I answering your question? I'm not sure if uh, uh, you are because it, it's interesting because yeah. the the integration piece is so personalized right. and and the, exactly and the, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, thank you. It, 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 and it's it, you know because you're speaking of to people who might be minorities as well as trans right. or whatever gender they're you know or whatever their sexual orientation and uh, I don't identify with any of those so me being able to help them you know I'm a middle-aged white guy <laughs> mm -hmm. you know a heterosexual middle-aged white guy and but this experience you know I've had a I've had a lot of psychedelic experiences and this particular one was like mm -hmm. uh I haven't had any psychedelic experiences since, and if you knew yeah. me, that would be shocking. <laughs> mm. You'd be like, what, really? <laughs> um, I don't drink alcohol. I don't smoke pot. Um, I'm, I'm kind of like the sober psychedelic, I guess, at this point, you might say. Um, but mm. this, this particular instance... It was like the 5-MeO-DMT was the end-all, be-all. It was like what every other psychedelic aspires to be. And, I had, mm. I, and I'm not saying that lightly. It, and so I'm curious if I... It, I don't know if I can find anybody to integrate it with because there was other people there who had taken 5-MeO-DMT and their experience was not my, like mine and I saw people struggle and I, I, I saw people go through things and I invited it in like we were old friends and we had a great time and, um, and so now I'm curious as to whether I need to go back because I think there's a questions yeah. I need to ask. And so I'm curious if I could find anybody to even integrate that with. And mm -hmm. especially considering what a solo traveler I've been for such a long time. If there's anybody that yeah. I could even relate to. Because there was people there that, that couldn't understand and were asking me questions about the experience. And I could only articulate it as best I can. But I think I understand dimensions beyond our own and this sounds so weird and probably borderline like some sort of psychosis but i'm quite certain i i understand beyond our three-dimensional reality unlike most people 
So I'm curious mm-hmm. if I could find anybody to help me integrate it. This. Yeah, totally. Well, you're, yeah, I mean, you're welcome to call Fireside. Um, <laughs> I just six, might have to, no. Fireside. Um, and, you, you know, you can, you can make that request. I think, you know, our goal is, uh, you know, as we continue to expand and grow, to be able to offer integration services that are kind of more, uh, pers- I, I, I appreciate the use of the word personalized because that was kind of the intention of what I was trying to get right. at. You know, it's, it's about it's about the substance. I think with integration, um, for some people, not for everyone. I think sometimes people can call and have an integration call, um, you know, regardless of the experience. But you know, the experience you're describing sounds very um, like life changing, right? And, oh, yeah. and one that you haven't been able to resonate with anyone around or have that kind of uh, supportive integration processing with. So, you know, you could call and and say, hey, I'm looking to talk to somebody specifically that has uh, has experience with 5-MeO-DMT. Does anyone on your current, like, you know, whoever's on right now, do they identify um, as somebody that's had that experience? So I think it's, uh, I think with integration, it's reasonable to always ask for kind of what you're looking for um, to see where to find it. And, um, yeah, I can't, I don't really... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, but I mean, it, even beyond the 5-MEO, I, I think it, it, integration is, is super important. Uh, I don't think a lot of people mm-hmm. know how to process, even if it's, I, I shouldn't say just mushrooms, but even if it's, it's mm-hmm. you know, psilocybin or LSD, ketamine, whatever, there can be rather profound insights, which is a lot mm-hmm. of times where the quote-unquote kind of bad trip happens with people. And that's usually the the ego kind of standing in the way and and being like trying to figure out what's going on and it can't mm-hmm. at least from yeah, my perspective. And, yeah. Uh, I, go ahead. Oh no, go, go, you go first. I'm sorry, I cut you off. I think I had to disconnect for a second. That's all right. Yeah, because I I had a friend asking me about this as well. The uh, the friend who 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 had never tripped before, and I was trying to explain the the breaking down of the ego and the kind of breaking down of our three dimensional reality at times. If if you go far enough, and how you get how do you explain that to somebody? You know, how do you use mm-hmm. words to explain this feeling space that? For me, I can't articulate real well. So I guess that's a, mm-hmm. a lot of my original kind of questions with the Fireside Project. And, uh, mm-hmm. I, and I mean, I think it's beautiful what you're doing, and I think it's super cool. Uh, and I, I would have killed for this 30 years ago <laughs> mm-hmm. when I was a teenager. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine. I, I'm so happy that our world even offers things like this, you mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah. So I, I did want to kind of speak to you know for people having fear about calling it. This is completely yeah. confidential, correct? Yes, it is. Yep. Yeah. So that, uh, yeah, I I think that is a um, a valid concern, especially with the war on drugs and with uh, with the way technology is nowadays. But yes, it is. It is completely confidential. We have the app, which we encourage folks to download. Um, it makes it easier uh, and more streamlined to call us, especially if you are tripping. And, um, yeah, so you just you talk to a peer support volunteer. Um, we are actually, I don't know how much time we have left here, but we are uh, doing um, 
a study right now, too, with UCSF that's completely confidential and anonymous. Um, we don't actually take, just to say, any data down um, from the caller. We don't even record somebody's phone number. Um, we don't even ask for people's names unless they provide it to us. So it's really what you choose to provide to us is, like, the only information that we would have. Um, and we are actually doing, just to say before we close here, too, a, a study with UCSF uh, to study the effectiveness of the psychedelic peer support line, um, looking into we do post-call surveys, which we really encourage callers to do if they feel comfortable, uh, just talking about their experience of calling the line, like, was it effective for you? Um, you know, one of the questions, you know, did it um, – prevent you from utilizing like emergency services which you know is like one of our one of our kind of goals here too so we we want to support people it's completely confidential and we also want to show that our um so if people want to do post-call service after it's a great way for us to show that our line is is effective and uh worth having around forever <laughs> i think it really is <laughs> awesome i i think so too i mean i i like I said, I don't. Uh, I've navigated that space for a long time, but when I found out about this, I, I just found how cool it was. And then even just having this conversation, I've been wanting to kind of have the, that conversation around the five meo. And I don't. I I I think I got to find the right person to have it with. That I haven't yeah, found them I'm yet. sorry. I, I know I'm not your person in terms. It's I haven't okay. had that experience I wasn't expecting myself. you to. Um, I wasn't expecting I, you to be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I would say that there's a chance that that person could exist for you, though, if I was that. So, you know, feel free, feel free to call. Feel free to see if there's somebody around to talk about the integration experience. I think that's why uh, the line is so, that, you know, that's why peer support is so important and why diversity and inclusion within the line is also so important because integration is really personalized. Awesome. Uh, and specific for some folks. So Okay, so, and if you want to call that line, 62 Fireside or download the Fireside Project app. Katie, thank you so much for being on. I love talking about Psychedelic, so this was a great show. I'm super stoked. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, and yeah, I hope some of the listeners give us a, give us a try here. Uh, it's, a, it's a really great service. Right on.